Let them pray. You guys ready to receive today? Yeah. Open hearts, expectant, ready, ready to hear something from the Word of God. Yeah. And not, not just to hear something from, from man or from me as an individual, but to <laughs> let the Spirit of God bring some things to your heart. Because uh, that's, what, that's what He'll do. When the Word of God is taught, when, when the Word of God is spoken, uh, the Spirit of God will quicken things to you. Amen. So you, you can hear with your head or you can hear with your heart. Or you could hear with both, actually. And really get the, let, the, let the mind get renewed, but grab a hold of what the Word of God is saying in the heart. And even if you've heard truths before, even if we know things, um, we still want to hear it again, don't we? Because the Word of God feeds you, feeds your spirit, feeds your faith, stirs your faith up in areas, and, and, and often helps focus and channel you in, in, in areas. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's amazing. There's things, you know, maybe the Spirit of God showed me or the Word of God I saw in the Word of God 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But sometimes I still need the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And he has to bring them. To, and sometimes it's good to hear them in a message again. And it just directs you and channels you and focuses you again. This is why some people, some people think, well, you know, I've heard that truth before. I don't need that anymore. But, but that's not how it works. Now, that might, that might work with mathematics and physics, and that might work with natural things. You know, sometimes you only need to learn something, one, because you, you're only trying to get it here. But when it comes to the Word of God, there's a spiritual transaction taking place. And, and, and our minds have to be renewed. Our minds keep shifting back onto the other ways of thinking, don't they? And we got to keep pulling it back and, 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 and get the Word of God in, uh, as well as feeding our faith, stirring our faith, keeping our focus. So, so even when we, even in these courses, when we repeat some things, we, we say some things people know, or we look at, sometimes we might look at a concept that we've heard about, but from another angle, it, it's going to, it's still going to, and uh, I believe, I believe you guys are hungry, hungry to hear, from, hungry to hear from the word, hungry to hear from God, hungry to know what God is speaking and saying in, in, in our time. How many of you believe God's saying some things in our generation? And I'll talk more about that in a moment. But let's, 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 just, let's just focus ourselves with a, with a moment of praying. And then we'll get into the word. Oh, Father, we worship you. Lord, we praise you. Father, we, we, we want you to be glorified in this place. We want you to be honored. We're not here to glorify and honor man. We're not here to draw attention to people. We're not here to make a name for ourselves. We're here to, to, as servants of the most ready to carry out your plans and purposes on this earth ready to, to, to do what you need to be done. So, Father, we want to We want to open our hearts to you today, open our hearts to your word, to your spirit, and we want to welcome you in. We want to welcome you to teach us and quicken us and show us things. And I thank you, Father God, for your anointing and your presence. And so we yield to you. We look to you. Our eyes are on you. And I thank you that because of that, that faith and expectancy in our hearts, you show up. And you, you meet us, Lord God, and you come and we can have an encounter with God this morning, even as we get in the word of God. And we're expecting that. Amen. So we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We lift you up in this place in Jesus. name. Amen. Hallelujah. You can have an encounter with God just by hearing the word of God. Some people think, well, you know, you need like a, a special anointing present. You know, Luke chapter talks about, don't go there, this is not what we're talking about. Luke chapter 5 talks about when Jesus was teaching. Uh, and there were Pharisees, Sadducees, there were other people around. But, but it, it, it says that the power of the Lord was present to heal. 
And the only, they weren't doing a prayer meeting. They weren't having a worship service. And I'm not minimizing that those things also bring the anointing and also affect it. There's times we saw the prophet, you know, call for a minstrel to pray. So there's connections between worship, music, and prayer. But sometimes we think that's the only way to get the presence of God in a place. And people minimize the, the, the power of God that's brought through the word of God. Do you know that God's word contains his power? And when God's word is taught and spoken, you can, you can be touched by the power and presence of God just sitting there. The power of the Lord can be present to begin to do things in your life. You can get set free and you can receive healing when the word of God is taught. Uh, especially if your heart's open and you receive it with meekness and you grab a hold of it. See, one thing the enemy has, has uh, he wants is he wants Christians to despise the hearing of the word. Now, I've been doing it with, on our Tuesday nights. We've been talking about honoring God, giving God honor and glory. And, and the opposite of honor, one of the opposites is to despise or to treat with lower value than it ought to be treated. To, to not give something the worth and respect that it should have. Despise is not just a negative attitude. It can be. You can treat something with contempt. Those, these words are in the Bible. Uh, people treat the things of God with contempt. They despise. God, God talks about people despising his name. And he's not talking to the world. He's talking to the people of God when he says that. But um, now they can despise his name too, but we've got to make sure we don't. And, um, but connected to that, and this week I was talking about, and, and we spent some time on, our, I was talking about the importance of giving the word of God the honor that it should be given. And, and, and not despising the hearing of the word. Now, I'm, I'm teaching the converted here, but it's good to remind ourselves of this. Amen? <clears throat> because the enemy, again, he's worked hard. He, want, he wants Christians to, to not value the hearing of the word. And to, to, to get to a stage where it's bored, it's boring. We've heard that before. Oh, we've had lots of teaching. No, we need more teaching. We need more hearing of the word. You know, I, again, I was thinking, uh, I'll get to our message in a minute. I was thinking this week, you know, and, and I, actually I was talking with Pastor Jeremy a little bit about this and, and Tony and Pam and some of the others we were chatting. I think Jackie uh, might have said this as well. But I was thinking about how, you know, you get some churches that, that, that they, they have, they teach good word. Like, yeah, good word being taught. Good word of God being taught. Then you get other churches where there's very little word, but they've got good worship. And people go there because they just love the worship and getting in the presence of God. Believe me, I love that too. Okay? And then you get other churches that maybe their music's not that good. But, I mean, you don't have to have talent in music to have good worship. You just want anointed worship. That's what you want. Now, it's nice when it can be talented and anointed, but when talent gets exalted above anointing, something goes wrong. Uh, that's a, you're, getting, you're getting seven messages in one again. But what, what I'm saying, you get, you get some churches where there's lots of teaching. You get other churches where they're great at worship. You get other churches where they're amazing at pastoring people, loving the people. And people go there because they, they, they love being, a, I just feel so loved in that place. And yet, no word is being taught. And it's amazing how some people will, will, will sacrifice the hearing of the word to go to a church where they're getting loved. Have you ever noticed that? Or they'll sacrifice the hearing of the word to go to a church where there's good worship. See, 
I've come to the conclusion we need all churches strong in all areas. We need to have good, strong word. Just because you've got good worship doesn't mean it's okay not have good teaching. Need to get a vision to come up in the areas where things are not the way they are at the best level in, in, in that church. I'm talking generally here. Not, I'm, this isn't thus saith the Lord to any specific church. But we want to get to a stage where we can, we can we, you know, we don't want people coming in because they're getting good word and then leaving out the back door because they don't feel loved. Do you realize that happens? And then they go down, they go down the street and they'll go somewhere where they're not getting any word and, and, and just because they're getting loved. But you see, we, 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 need to, we need to bring our vision up to a place where we begin to expect and believe God that we can have churches that have strong word, strong, anointed, powerful worship, and good love and pastoral care, and whatever else, good evangelism. How many of you know there's some churches that have great evangelism? They know how to draw people in, but they don't know how to disciple them and good, give them good, solid word once they come in. So, so, so we want, you know, we want all of that. We need to believe God that we have a church that is strong in loving people, strong in worship, strong in giving word, and strong in outreach and whatever strong, strong in missions and everything else. <clears throat> this is just to, just just some some things to the side. We're talking about Book of Acts Christianity, and to be honest with you, they were strong in everything. Amen. I've noticed some environments where there's a word being taught they don't really know how to enter into the presence of god and worship we need to bring it up bring it up in this area but and let me say this is let me say this is this is where i started on this because this is a big but don't sacrifice the hearing of the word and get to a place where all they do in that church is teach we need we need more love we need to go to somewhere else where there's worship uh, begin to believe God that the place you're going where there's good teaching also comes up in worship and loving pastor and whatever else. But don't allow anything to cause you to sacrifice being an environment where the word of God is taught and strong and powerful. Because you know what will happen when you begin to despise the teaching. You get, I've heard people, oh man, that church, they just teach, 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 teach. You know, we need some other things. I'm not going there anymore. <laughs> Okay, maybe an over-exaggeration. Well, maybe not, actually. But the point, of God, the point is this. The enemy wants Christians to come to a place where they despise the hearing of the word. They, they don't honor the word the way it should be honored. And you realize this. The way you, the, 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 your view of the word. Now, people, people sometimes, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not dishonoring the word. It's just teaching I don't like. You're dishonoring the word. No, it's the human teachers. I love the word. No, no, you're muddling it all up. You're trying to talk yourself out of things. The teaching of the word, bringing the word to people on high quality is, is, is important. And, and don't, ever, don't, ever let the, don't ever let the enemy bring you to a place where you will sacrifice the teaching that you're listening to and sitting under the teaching of the word because you feel you need something. No, the enemy can get people out of the word and he can weaken your Christian life. We have, many Christians have come to a stage where, where they are despising. Like I said, to despise means to treat with lower value than something should have. When you look through the word, you begin to realize this. 
that God viewed people's honor toward him directly connected to how they responded to his word. So you cannot honor God properly without honoring his word and giving his word the place in that environment that it should have. Let's try to get to our topic. This is all some extra, extra. Hello, good to see you. This is all some extra, amen? Let's go to the book of Acts. Let me remind you of some things now. Technically, this is part three. It's part one for this morning. But I, I, I usually say with these, even though we do the same topic over a few months, even if people have missed the previous ones, that each one is, is contained within itself. But let me remind you of a couple of things I spoke about last time. And then we're going to launch off into some things, I believe, that, that, that the Spirit of God has got for us. Well, one of the things we talked about last time as I was introducing this topic on Book of Acts Christianity is, first of all, I said that the Book of Acts is actually the only scriptural, practical model we have of the church. When I mean practical, I mean an actual historical example of this, what the church looks like. We've got doctrinal information on the church in the epistles, yeah? So I'm not saying it's the only source of information about the church in the Bible, but like there's information about the body of Christ, the church, different things within the epistles. But the book of Acts is the only example where God has given us, this is what it looks like in, in, in practicalities. Now, some people think, well, yes, you know, but that was the early church. We've matured and grown past then. Yes, but if we've changed in some areas, what basis do you have to say that your changes are scriptural? We still got to have the core values that the model had. It's important. God gave us the book of Acts for a reason. He included it in his word, and his word is eternal. That means the principles that are revealed in, that re in Acts, particularly like what the church looks like, what Christianity looks like, are timeless in that book. Even though they might have been young and undeveloped in some areas. We're not supposed to look different in the major areas. And then this is what we're looking at as I'm talking about this course. We're going to look at some major areas. In the book of Acts, there was an environment and a church that was saturated in the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God manifested and flowed through people. That's one thing we've talked about that. We also saw in, in, in the book of Acts, that church in Acts shook cities. Do you remember I talked about that last time? They shook cities. In other words, the presence of the church caused a ripple in the whole community, and more than a ripple, a tidal wave within the whole community. Tsunami. It wasn't just within their, their, their four walls. Now, remember I said to you about how, how, you know, these days we're content with having a move of the Holy Spirit within our church service. And yet sometimes just down the street, they don't even know there's a church there. <clears throat> I know many churches, good churches, where the people just 200 meters down the road don't even know there's a church in that building. The move of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in Acts shook the city. We need to believe God for the level of presence and manifestation of the Holy Spirit in this building to where it is felt right across there in those buildings, whether they're even in here or not. And if we're getting less than that, we're not, we're not where we should. Yeah, amen? That the effect on the city, the effect on the environment, 
of the gospel. The book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out there in the upper room. What, what happens next? Holy Spirit's poured out. Next thing you know, it's all over the streets. It's not just in the upper room anymore. The events that happened after that are beyond the borders of the room that they were in. And that caused a positive effect. They also caused, a, a, a caused an uproar in some environments. Riots in the cities. But the effect of the church was felt citywide. Now, praise God for what we have had up until now. But I have to pause for a moment and say, Lord, what is not functioning right when a city has 400 churches and the city's not being shaken? I have to pause and say, something's not lining up with Acts. They only needed one to shake a city. Amen? Well, again, I'm not saying this to criticize, but let's believe God to come up. Yeah. Let's begin to say, Father God, that is what we want to hold as the standard. We want that, that kind of a manifestation of the Holy Spirit through our lives. And for that to happen, it's going to come. It's going to take us in the, come up in our spiritual lives in some areas. The Spirit of God calling people higher in our day and generation. And it's going to take us responding and coming to a place where we are saturated in presence in our own individual lives. You might not realize it, but there's no time to mess around anymore. There's no time to play church anymore. It's time to get the job done. Amen? So the church in Acts shook environments, not just naturally, not just because of their PR skills and their people skills. I'm not saying you have bad people skills, but don't rely on that as being what makes it happen. They shook the environment because of the power of the message of the gospel, the power of the resurrection, and the Holy Spirit upon them and, and manifest in presence in their church and upon people. That's got to be what we need. See, if, if we have the Holy Spirit in manifestation and, 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 and actually flowing through us. Now, again, praise God, you can have a few prophecies and say, well, we do have the Holy Spirit. No, you didn't hear what I said a moment ago. Yes, you might have a few prophecies within your environment and go out the door. No one even knows there's a church. Begin to believe. We, when we want the Holy Spirit in manifestation to a level and to a degree that it goes beyond the borders. So we want it to come up. Amen? I was going to say something and I forgot what I was going to say a moment ago, so I'm sure it'll come to me in a minute about that point. Okay? But anyway, the other thing that I talked about last time was boldness. Boldness. We did a whole session on that. I'm not going to talk about it more. But this, I believe there's a direct connection between the manifestation of God, the manifestation of the Spirit, and boldness. When we tiptoe around the things of God, when we're apologetic for the things of God, when we're not bold to declare this is what God says, and this is the way the Word says it, very often that, that kind of holding back also has the effect of holding back the Spirit. God manifesting through you. So we need to come up in boldness. You'll say, you're quite a bold preacher. I said, I'm, I, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm going to get bolder. Amen? But, but, but you know, people say, well, we're, we're English. Yes, yes. Well, well, I'm not technically. I mean, I'm South African, but, but I've lived here a long time. I suppose my, my, my roots go back to English. I'm, I'm adopted English. Is that all right with you? There we go. Okay. 
but but don't 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 let your personality or the way you are naturally stop you putting into practice things the Bible teaches. Did you just hear what I said? Don't make excuses. Oh no, well, we're just reserved. We can't be bold. No, the Bible reveals a message of boldness. So what do we need to begin to begin to believe God for that boldness to come out of my spirit beyond my personality? Just by way of illustration, how, how many of you have ever read the, 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 about the nine fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I think that's all nine of them I got there if I didn't want to leave one out. Okay? But, you know, someone, if someone reads the, 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 the fruit of the spirit and they say, well, I'm a very joyful person. How many of you got some people that are naturally joyful? Right, that, that, you know, and there's all these things in the church about that's their gifting, whatever. Okay, but do you know the non fruit of the spirit are for all of us function in all of them? Right. It doesn't say the fruits of your personality. <laughs> yeah, now you might naturally be joyful, which might, might mean that the fruit of joy is not very difficult for you to walk in, you're bubbly, bouncy by personality. But you might have issues in your peace walk. But by example. Now don't say, well, I'm just joyful. I'm just not a very peaceful person. No, begin to say, I need to grow in the areas that, that, that we're not there yet. We want to grow in the areas we're not there yet. Because we want all the fruit functioning. Someone, someone says, well, you know, I'm just a very lovey, 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 lovey person. But I'm trying to think, well, love affects all of the fruit of the spirit. Someone, someone, someone says, I'm a very peaceful person, but I just can't control myself. But you know, peace is my strength. Peace. No, your personality might be peaceful. Yeah? But believe God to come up in the other ones if, if you're not walking in those ones. Don't, don't try and fit the fruit of the spirit into your personality and excuse away the ones you're weak on. I'm just not a very peaceful person. It's not natural to me. Yeah, there's your problem. You're looking for it to be natural to you. It's the fruit of the spirit. We're all supposed to be strong in all of them. Amen? So what am I saying here? We need to believe God to come up in the ears. Don't just say, well, I'm not a very bold person. I'll leave that to someone else. Do you know when the spirit of the Lord comes upon you, he can, he can cause things to come out of you that are beyond your personality. It's not just how you function. I've done things up. I'll be honest with you. I am not a very woo, woo, jumpy person. Anyone know me? I wouldn't even do that by way of illustration out of the pulpit. <laughs> okay? I'm a very like, woo. People, people say, oh, come, the music's going. Let's all begin to do it. I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you. I'm fine. You're not being very joyful? No, I'm, I'm being joyful. But this, this isn't, Okay? But you know what? When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon me, when I'm operating under the anointing, I'll do things in the pulpit. I'll walk out of the pulpit afterwards and I think, what did I just do? There's something that changes that does differently. So the boldness, don't just limit yourself to not, well, I'm not a very bold person. Begin to say, Father God, I pray for that boldness like they did in, the Acts, in Acts chapter 4. I pray for that anointing and the Spirit of the Lord to, become a, to come upon me. And to operate through me in a way where boldness can function through me like that. So excuse away. Like I said, oh, well, we're English, we're not very bold. You're making excuses for not putting into practice things the word re reveals. 
The word is for all of us. And don't, don't let your culture, your personality, or anything else prevent you or stop you from putting into practice things that the word teaches. Begin to realize it is as important in the UK for us to have boldness. Sometimes, sometimes, again, sometimes I say some things and I think maybe, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but there's the boldness. But, but as I said that in my, in my spirit, uh, that, that, that this whole, this whole, I'm going to say it, okay? People say, oh, well, I might offend someone. Well, be offended then, okay? <laughs> as I said that in my heart, this rose up and I, began, I, I realized that, 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 that it's one of the reasons we're not seeing the manifestation of the miraculous in this country. Because we're excusing away in the church, we're English, we're reserved, and we're not stepping into that boldness. Yeah. Oh, yes. That wasn't in my notes. Actually, I haven't got to my notes yet this morning. That, that, uh, I, I, it's up to you whether you received it or not. That rose up in my heart as I was speaking a moment ago. As I was saying some things, suddenly the Spirit of God said, that's one of the reasons why it's not happening in this country. Right there. We're happy to pray. We're happy to do other things. But go be bold. No, we're English. <laughs> Spirit-filled, reserved, English people. You want to see more of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit? We need to believe God to come up in this area boldness. Because in Acts, they were bold. And you know what happened? You see over and over and over again verses that mention boldness. Within a verse or two, you'll, mention, you'll see the miraculous mentioned. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit mentioned. Our reservedness and, 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 and timidity to tip, tiptoe around saying some things. And it's not just limited. Oops, here I go. Okay. It's not just limited to, to us out there. It's limited to the pulpits in this country. There are people that are not bold enough to say what needs to be said from the pulpit when preaching the word of God. And they're preaching by their reserved personality. People say, this guy's not like the other preachers in this country. He's a bit bold. Maybe, maybe he should go to another country. No, I'm here, and the Spirit of God has raised me up to preach a bold message to show us this. We are, we're supposed to be preaching it bold. We are supposed to be preaching it strong. We're supposed to be uncompromising and standing strong on a vocal message of the gospel in the face of darkness and the environment around us. People say, what if someone gets offended and leave my church? I like what one minister says. says, there's the door, the exit sign's just above it. Don't let it hit you on the way out. Well, that's very good people. <laughs> See, he was always an excuse. You can't be afraid of offending people if you're going to be bold. If your fear of offending people overrides your courage to say what the Spirit of God is saying needs to be said, you will not experience the miraculous like it needs to be released in this country. I might have to get the recording of all that because I really, that, I believe some of that just came out of my heart, not just out. Uh, the, you know, there's an anointing to teach. And when I teach, I believe God for utterance. And so I believe when I'm up here, the Spirit of God is giving me words to speak. But even while I'm operating under that anointing, I believe sometimes the Spirit of God will give me a specific re relevant word. And it's up to you whether you but I believe that was one right there. The reservedness, even in our pulpits, is holding back 
the manifestation of the Spirit of God in the United Kingdom. You don't need to say, thus saith the Lord, for it to be a word from the Lord, by the way. Amen? Now, let's go to Acts chapter 1. Let's, let's get on to talking about some other things. So if you... So, <laughs> In a moment, I'll get to talking about some other things. So if you want to, so if you want to, if you want to, if, if you want to act, how many of you know we should act on the Word of God? Well, if you believe what I've just said a moment ago was, was from the Spirit of God, and I believe it was, it's up to you, judge it, do what you want with it, but it rose up in my heart as I was speaking it, that, that lack of boldness in the United Kingdom is holding back the move of the Spirit of God, and that includes lack of boldness in the pulpit. So how do, how do we change this? we got to start getting bolder in the pulpit with what we're saying and declaring what needs to be said and not being afraid of offending someone or, or some of them leaving the church. Because a lot of people are built, have built their church on a, a, a user-friendly, accept-everybody environment and don't offend them. In that kind of run, Spirit of God in that kind of place. You see some of the things I'm going to say in a moment. You might not like what I've just said. Okay, but sit on it. Go and go and go and go and look into the word on the subject of boldness. Go and look into the book of Acts. Go and if you missed last time, or if, even if you were here last time, go and get that recording. It's available. It's online. It's it's free. It's, it's all available. Go and listen to it again and look at the scripture I looked at, and see the direct connection in scripture between boldness and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And then ask yourself: Am I hungry enough? And do I desire this manifestation of the Spirit of God enough? to put aside my reserve personality and operate the way God shows us to operate in this area. Even from the pulpit, the courage to speak it out. Amen? Now, let's go. You ready for the next part? That's all recap plus, plus some extra points. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Now, this is before the day of Pentecost. But we're going to look at, I'm going to read the same thing in a few verses. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went, up into the, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Do you see that phrase, with one accord? With one accord. Now, let's, let's, go, let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. We're talking about Book of Acts Christianity. I want to capture what they had that caused the Spirit of God to move and manifest the way he did. And I believe there's a few factors, including the individual vessels themselves that God used, people like Stephen. And I've done other studies on the, the, the people that God flowed through. But I'm looking at the broader principles revealed now. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. One accord. In one place. And suddenly... What happened? It's a manifestation of the Spirit of God. Do you think that phrase, with one accord, is important? Or do you think God 
ran, uh, ran out of words to word trying to reach his word count, so he threw some words in. I don't believe God puts any pointless words in the Bible. Even the intro, do, do you realize even the introductions to the epistles you can get blessed out of? When Paul says greetings and he says grace and peace be multiplied to you, don't just think, oh, it's a nice greeting. Say, Father, I received that. The word of God is speaking grace and peace over my life. That's verse two of verse one and two of the introduction. Don't skip over that. There's revelation in there. There's revelation in the farewell. Say farewell to this person. And I say bless them. This revelation, it's all the word. Amen. But, but all, this is important. Let, let, let's look at some other things. Now, who? Let's, ask, let's, let's begin to ask some questions. Who was in one accord? Who's they? Just make note of this because this is important. I'm going to talk about some things related to unity and being in one accord, but I'm also going to talk about some things about a false wrong unity. And what about, there's a lot of talk these days about how we must, we must, we, we must all be unified. And I believe we must. But you can also have a man-made manufactured unity which ends up being ungodly. We need to know what this unity is all what it what it is about. And we I want to look at how their being in one accord actually functioned as it played out. Who who was in one accord? The, the, the disciples, the apostles, the ones in the upper room. And just make note of that point. Were they at one were they at one accord with everybody in the city? No. no. The unity and the accord was with a specific group. Are you going to see as it goes through Acts, we're not at unity outside that group. Amen? Acts chapter 2, again, verse 42. Let's just read some of the verses. Let the word of God speak to you. Let this sink in. Faith comes by hearing the word. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed. Is this talking about a specific group? All who believed were together and had all things in common. So it's within this unit that there is this environment, but outside this unit, no. You can see that more and more. And sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as everyone, as, as everyone had need. Now some people say, oh yeah, but you know, we mustn't do that. You know, that was just acts and that was just an environment. You know what it showed? It showed in an environment where people were not just focusing on themselves, their own needs and being selfish. Yeah? And this, this is actually connected to what we, we were talking about. This is going to overflow in my first and my second session. We're going to have to look at this, but I'm laying the groundwork right now. Verse 46. So continuing daily. Remember I talked about that last time? How, how, how often did they live their, 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 their Christianity? And someone said, well, you know, I have a prayer relationship with the Lord on a daily basis. No, it doesn't say that. It says, daily, they gathered together. 
Now, yes, have your personal relationship with the Lord, but don't pass up opportunities to get around the believers as well. Your Christianity is not just something you do living by yourself at home. Now, if someone is housebound due to illness, we leave God with you, but that, that, what I've just said is not to condemn someone who, who's not, who doesn't have a choice. Okay? But don't get lazy to a place where you just watch videos online. Talking to people on the video. <laughs> We're supposed to gather together. But, not, but in the book of Acts, they did it daily. That's quite something. A lot of Christians would struggle with that. They'd struggle to do it more than, more than one, many more than once, a lot more than twice, almost all more than three times. <laughs> anyway, I'll get on to the other point, the main point that I want to talk about. So, they, so continuing daily, how? They were in the temple, but, but with one accord, with one accord. And we could read the rest of the verse, <clears throat> but, but, but just notice this, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Someone says, I get the point. No, you don't. Sometimes that's why we're pounding it in with different scriptures. I want you to see this. If God keeps repeating something, does it have significance? Does. We're, we're only in Acts. We're just, just going to Acts chapter 4 now, and we've already seen this multiple times. Acts chapter 4, verse 24. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God. How? With one accord. With one accord. And said, Lord, you are God. And he goes on. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord. Do you think there's a connection between the flow of the miraculous? And this environment that built amongst this group. This certainly is. Now we're going to talk about some areas that this gets off. People try to manufacture being of one accord. You don't get people to be of one accord just by saying, oh no, we must all be of unity in one accord. You've got to understand what unites people. I'll tell you one thing that unites people is purpose and vision. People begin to believe behind the vision can destroy and hinder that it's not just someone who gets into strife it's people who become self-focused and me 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 and they, they, they don't want to drive the vision because well you know more about me that the enemy is using that as a blockage but uniting behind a vision you see people there is incredible power when people begin to unite about, around a vision and a common cause You can see it in the negative. I'll look at some scriptures in the moment on the negative side as well. Okay? But notice this. The Holy Spirit manifested in an environment where this group was in one accord. Doesn't mean everybody outside this group had to be in one accord. Yeah, the Holy Spirit can, can manifest in an environment where there are not people who are in one accord. When they're not part of the group. Like Jesus was teaching the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I quoted it just now. It says the power of the Lord was present to heal. Well, I'm pretty sure most, most, a, lot, a lot of the Pharisees and Sadducees were not in one accord with Jesus. Amen? But they were also outside the main group. They were the ones being outreached. But within the group, there needs to be one accord. 
united behind a common purpose vision. That vision unifying people to begin to say, we've got, we, we've got a job to do. It's what I've been saying to people recently. This is, this is a big part of being in one accord. Is believing, it's beginning to grab a hold of some things. One thing that'll help bring us in one accord is beginning to realize the urgency of the hour. When people begin to realize we don't have long left. But you see, there's a lot of people who are still not grabbing hold of that. But when people begin to realize we need to get this job done, that's one of the phrases I'm using a lot recently. Let's get this job done. Let's begin to drive into the cause. I'm not just sit and, sit, sit and be content with where we're at. And as long as me and my needs are being met. See, this me and my needs. Yes, God wants to move. God loves you. He's a father. He's a shepherd. He wants to move and manifest in your life. But when you become self-absorbed in your own needs to the degree that you can't connect in with the vision because I've got to do my stuff all the time, you're not coming in one accord. And you do see this in a lot of churches and environments amongst a lot of Christians. Trying to unite them behind the vision, and well, well, you know, I've, I've got this, and I've got this, and I've got this, and it pulls them back. It becomes an obstacle, a blockage to them uniting behind the vision. Okay. But but actually, what I was saying a moment ago is is is, is, is this is you see something something. And I'm not the only one, I know many other Christians, but something just clicked on the inside, you know, in the last couple of years. I've been preaching, teaching for years, been in ministry decades, but something dropped on the inside. And I've I, I, I got this, this whole, let's get this job done. We've got a job to do. Let's get it done. Let's unite behind this and let's get this job done. I'm not willing. Okay, apart from the fact that I believe Jesus is coming back really soon. Okay, that's, that's one truth. But apart from that fact, even if he doesn't, I'm not willing to, to take decades more to get this job done. No. Now, we've got a job to do across the world, but let's even bring this localized to our nation. How many of you are satisfied with where the church has, is, is at in this country? No. How many of you are satisfied with it plodding along at a slow rate? I believe there's some good churches. Yeah, but I look, I look, you know, and I'm not trying to say this to, to, to criticize, but I look at sometimes, sometimes it takes us 10 years to get a church planted. But, you know, one person takes them 10 years. And praise God, if that's what God's told them to do, praise God. But then I sit and I look at people like John Drew Lake, who planted 500 churches in five years. I think, hold on a second. Where we're at now, okay, we've got to where we're at now, but I mean, we need an acceleration. I'm not taking 10 years to plant another church and then another five years to plant another church. And after that, we're taking another seven or eight, 10 years to plant the third one. And then 30 years ago, well, we've got three churches. Yes, those three churches may be powerful and they may be work-based and they might, the Spirit of God be, might be manifesting, but we've got a nation to reach. Many of these churches are not even sending a ripple effect into their communities. And in me, that begins to stir a dissatisfaction. Which is why I'm 
join people and say, let's get this job done. We need an acceleration. We need to begin to unite behind a common cause and a common vision and begin to say, yes, I'm not satisfied for things to continue at the current pace. I want to see the United Kingdom transformed by the word of God. Not just seven word churches in the United Kingdom. That's not enough for me. You might be enough for you. But I'm not willing to go at the pace we've been going at. You might say, oh yeah, but we've got a lovely church. We've got lovely things. Praise God for what you've got. But ask yourself the question, if we continue at the current pace, and if Jesus does delay a bit longer, how much further down the road are we going to be at 20, in, in, in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years time? It's taken us 20 years to get this far. How much further? Unless there is a, something changes, unless something gives, unless there's an acceleration of pace, we're just going to be plodding along still in 50 years time. saying something's got to change to accelerate and one big factor in this is we start to become in one accord in common purpose and common vision because it becomes a motivator it's one thing when you've got five people in common cause and common vision but when you've got 500 or, or a thousand right across the nation all beginning to say let's get this job done and people begin to unite behind that one church, another church, other churches like that. That kind of common purpose can begin to achieve something. Amen? You know, one of the things that's hindering that kind of common purpose. People just, they, they, they only want to build my thing and my vision and my church. Okay? A lot of what I'm saying now, again, is not in my notes. I didn't quite plan to say this. But when we begin, people are, people are so focused on building my name, my ministry, and, my, and me becoming well-known. I come to the conclusion, I really couldn't care less who knows me and who doesn't. I really couldn't care less. I said to someone the other day, my reward's up in heaven. I said, if you, if you want to pray and get the attention, you know, pray on the street. So everyone looks at you and goes, whoa, he's a good prayer. Jesus said, what's your reward now? What was your reward? The praise is a man. I, want, I really couldn't. I want, I want my reward now. I want that reward up there. I want the eternal reward. I, that's what Paul, he ran with a vision. He ran with a cause. He couldn't care less. He said because he, he had his goal on that eternal reward that he was going to get for that. So I couldn't care. I'm, I'm not sure how to build my name or build a ministry. I couldn't care less. God told me some of the things I'm doing right now. I said, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I'd rather just live in my village and be quiet. I, I really did. I said, I'm quite happy. I don't, want to, I don't need to do all of that extra stuff. But you know what? I said, but I will at your command. And I'll do it willingly. Consecrate and I'll do what you said needs to be done. But I will not do it just to build a name for me. We've got a job to get done. And the enemy is getting us absorbed in ourselves, our ministries, what we're trying to do. Instead of beginning to say, let's shake a city together. 
sharing some stuff with one pastor. You don't know the name, you don't you know the purpose. It, it, it. I'm going to say, he was, I was sharing some stuff with one pastor about let's get some stuff done together. Let's pull our resources. I've got gifting and anointing. You've got gifting and anointing. Let's pull it together. You know what he said to me? My city doesn't need any more teaching of the word than what I'm doing. Said that to me. I, I, my jaw, I couldn't believe what I heard coming out of that man's mouth. And he didn't just say it once. I didn't just misunderstand it. He said it 10 to 15 times in the conversation. He kept emphasizing it. The city doesn't need any more word than what I'm bringing here. And you wonder why we can't have a revival in this nation. One accord. Let's forget about building our name, our ministry. What name I'm going to get for me? And who's going to be impressed with me? You want people to be impressed with you. That's going to be your reward. When you stand before the Lord, he's going to say, actually, the, the, um, you know, when I'm looking at the books here, it says you've had your reward already. So there's no reward for that because you got your reward while you were on earth. You got the temporary reward that perishes. That's what that verse says. He says they have their reward. Matthew 5, 6. The implication is you ain't getting another one. Stand in eternity thinking, watching, this is where it's going to matter to me, watching Paul and all, and all of you guys with your rewards. And I'm thinking, I'm feeling a little bit light-loaded. Where's my rewards? And the Lord says, sorry, yours perished when, when all of the, 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 old, the old world passed away. What, you know, you had your reward then, it's gone now. I'm going to think, well, thank God I made it, but I'm like, I'm like I would like some eternal reward too. You want eternal reward, forget about and you're out and trying to get you. Your ego's got to be fed. And start to become of one accord behind a common purpose. Say, well, how, how can we pool our resources? What's it going to take to get this job done? Your strengths can become, it can help in areas I'm weak. I'm weak in areas. Seriously, I tell them all the time, I've got no pastoral skills. Be trying to tell me actually you're not that bad. I'm like, I really am. <laughs> I've really got to try hard. People come and say, Oh, I'm sick. I need, I need healing. I'm stand on the word. So <laughs> you need. And then I and I think I had to catch myself. No, you've got to love them and pastor them a little bit and help them to stand on the word. That doesn't come naturally, is what you do. Yeah, and that's why we <laughs> I've got a challenge in my life right now. Believe God. The word of God says he meets your need. That's all it takes. That's fine. That's all you need to hear. See, that's the teacher in me. <laughs> but then I've got to remind myself what I preach to you all, what I said earlier, where I said we've got to come, get, come stronger in the areas we're weak. I've got to learn. Actually, I need to love them a little bit and stand with them. Say, okay, come. Let's show you how to stand on the word. Let's hold your hand lift you up. Okay? <laughs> forgot what I was saying before that now because of all of that but 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 the one accord one purpose one vision one one drive and direction let's get this job done that's a pretty good drive and direction as far as I'm concerned you don't know you know you came up with that phrase I we got it we're going to come up with another I really don't care that's the one I'm telling people I'm saying let's get this job done Let's pull our resources. Let's forget about personal kingdom building and ministry building and my name and my city and who this and who that. And who gets the glory out of it? 
I, I'll come in there. I don't care who gets the glory. I want, actually, I do. I want the Lord to get the glory. He's the only one I want to get the glory. I'm not going to do something that's going to get glory. But when there's right heart and it's not about glorifying man, I don't care. I'll go in there and bring some word and help people to get to where they need to be so that they can get launched off. And I'm saying, fine, you don't need me anymore. Bye-bye. you got the work going. I don't need the attention and the glory out of it. Yeah? Because I want to see the job get done. But when people are focused on me, this is what I was saying. When people are focused on me, what I'm going to get, my attention, my need, my ego, feed me, you will not get people functioning in one accord. What we'll do is we'll have a lot of people trying to manufacture unity. But they're all still actually focused on themselves. You won't have really one accord. Do you see what I'm saying? To become of one accord, you've got to unite behind a common purpose and drive. So I don't care whose ministry gets, gets the most attention out of this. Let's get the job done. But it amazes me how many ministers don't want to do that. And they'll all talk unity. <laughs> anyway, should we look at some more scriptures? That, just look at, look at this one, Acts chapter 15. What time is it? I don't want to, run, I don't want to overrun and take time from the next session. I'm going to read this scripture, and then we're going to, we, we, I'll pause. We'll have a coffee break. And then, um, then I've got, I'm, I'm probably going to stick on this, because I'm also going to talk about some things related to uh, unity and the things of God does not mean compromise. It's got to be uncompromising unity. Absolutely. The, unity at all costs is dangerous. So all, all we need is unity in the church. Well, what a lot of times what they mean is we want you to be united with us, but don't talk too much about that tongue stuff around us. Because then we can be united. The moment you talk about tongues, it's going to cause a problem. So we, we, we lose our boldness. We become... Englishly reserved again. So, well, we won't talk about tongues when we're around them so we can keep the unity. That is a false ungodly unity. Book of Acts, and I'm going to give you the scriptures. It was a unity and that involved no compromise of their stand. That might have just offended someone what I just said. I was going to say, but who cares? That was the teacher in me. We do care. We love you. <laughs> we, there, there's been times and places we've had a false unity. And God doesn't manifest in a false unity. I'm going to give you the scripture in the next session. Is that all right? I'm going to show you. In Acts, they were united in one accord, but they were also uncompromising on their stand. Their unity did not lead to compromise. Now, when you're talking about human beings in a marriage relationship, sometimes you've got to compromise to have unity. In them, yeah? You've got two imperfect vessels, who both, who in one, one or both can be wrong. But when you talk about unity around the Word of God and the things of God, God is perfect. He doesn't need to change or compromise. We just have to align with Him. So in the things of God, unity must be based upon no compromise. 
but I'm going to give you the scripture for that. Anyway, let's read this Acts chapter 15. Oh, let me say this quickly. He's, oh, you know, we, we need unity, unity, unity. And they, they, they almost exalt unity above everything else to the point that, you know, we, we can't talk about this truth, we can't discuss this in the meeting so that we can have, all be unified. And I was going to give you one example. I've got quite a few to give you. But I was going to give you one example where, where, where unity can, 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 can have the wrong, wrong result. If you're unified in the wrong way, well, one example, I'll give you others. One example is the crowd that crucified Jesus. Yeah. They were very unified. The Pharisees stirred them up. But was that a good unity? Did, did God say, Let's manifest my glory. Because people think that's all it takes for God to manifest his glory if you've got unity. So let's lose our boldness. Let's become compromised. Let's water down the word so it doesn't offend someone so that we can have unity. And God won't manifest. Remember, boldness to say what needs to be said. You want to turn the video off because you don't like it? That's fine. We'll pray for you. We, we honestly, we do love you. I'm not going to say we don't care. We do love you. I'm still trying to read this verse. I really need to get to this. Just so we can finish this part of it. Acts 15, verse 25. It seemed good to us being, notice this, being assembled, how? With one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Now, did anyone, anyone know anything about Acts chapter 15? Acts chapter 15 is, is what we call the Jerusalem Council. Now, in Acts chapter 15, or, or the lead up in Acts chapter 14, Paul had been going around preaching uh, the, the gospel. And there were people who came behind him claiming to be believers who were preaching, no, you must keep the law of Moses to be saved. And the Bible actually says a contention arose between Paul and these people. Now, I don't see Paul saying to this group, oh, it's all right, I'll tone down my message because it offends you. I want to keep the unity. Now, note this. The unity didn't spread to, to certain groups. The ones who began to preach another message. They then, went to, they then went to Jerusalem, sat down with James, Peter, and the others. They discussed it all. And that group became united around the same message. And when it says they were with one accord, that did not include the ones who were preaching works and legalism. They didn't compromise the message of the gospel of salvation by faith to please everybody in that meeting. There was one group that was not in one accord. The ones who wanted to keep preaching legalism. Do you see what I'm saying? And yet the Bible highlights again one accord. In the middle of the Acts 15, or, not, or in the middle of the chapter on the Acts 15 council where there was a division happening. And it doesn't say... That they then wrote to the churches and say, well, look, you know, there's two different opinions on this now in the church. We have one group of Christians saying, 
You must keep the law of Moses. And we got another group of saying salvation by faith. So, dear church, Galatian church at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Darby, we are writing you that there are now two positions and we need to keep the unity. So we must present both positions to you. Is that what they did? It's not what they did. And yet the Bible says they were in one accord. Did they compromise the message to be in one accord? No. Did they water down the message? Did they say to Paul and, 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 and Barnabas, now Paul and Barnabas, you caused this division. You're the one who had the contention with this group. You broke the unity of the church. You wouldn't compromise your message. Is that what they said to them? Now, remember, Paul, we've got a church council here, and we've, we've invited the others along who, who are preaching the law of Moses. Now, we've got to find a common ground where we can all, maybe you tone down your bit about salvation by faith, and you tone down your little bit about the law of Moses, and we can all be in unity again. Is that what Acts 15 was about? No. It was not. And yet the Bible still highlights that group was in one accord. Did they compromise their message to be in one accord, to please everybody? No, they did not. Do you see what I'm trying to say? This is one of the areas we're getting unity wrong. Because we think we have to manufacture the unity by calming down and compromising and quietening down Bible truths. Don't talk about, don't offend anyone, don't talk about this, don't talk about this, so that we can all gather together in a meeting, all the ministers in town. Oh, there I go again saying things. I just, I'm sorry, it just came out. All the ministers in town, we'll all be in unity together, but don't, don't, don't you know, don't mention that tongue stuff because so, you might offend the minister of this group. So we can all be in unity. Not, that's not biblical unity. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not biblical unity. That's crowd-pleasing. People-pleasing. And you've got your reward for it. They're impressed with you now. But that's not impressing the Lord. And in that kind of environment, we are not going to see the manifestation of the Spirit of God and the glory of God and the miraculous in this nation. We need bold, uncompromising group to unite behind a common vision and a common cause, but to not feel they have to tiptoe and hold back on preaching what the Bible says. That's why I highlighted who was in unity in the earlier scriptures. And you see the same thing. It says they were one accord, but actually, if you look later on, the ones who still preached legalism still continued to do it after this. They become a, a breakaway group. So the unity was no longer with all of them. But the group that did have the one accord continued to walk in the power and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. In many environments, in order to get unity, people have watered down and compromised Bible truths. And in an environment where you water down and compromise Bible truths, God will not manifest. Because the honor we're giving God is directly connected to the honor we're giving his word. And if we're watering his word down in order to impress man, we are honoring man more than we are honoring God. And that, in, in 1 Samuel, is exactly why Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, because he said, you're, you're honoring man more than God. That's why they lost the glory.
That bit wasn't in my notes. I'm even going to have to get the recording to say that, but to catch what I just said there. Amen. I better stop. Give you a breather. Grab some coffee. Amen. And we'll be maybe 15 minutes or so, grab some coffee, and then we'll be back for some more. Is that all right? Amen. I hope no one has parked in the parking